This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is suing German auto giant Volkswagen and former CEO Martin Winterkorn for defrauding its investors in connection with the Dieselgate emissions scandal from several years ago. The SEC alleges Winterkorn and the company made false and misleading statements to investors despite knowing that over 500,000 vehicles in the U.S. exceeded legal emissions limits. Winterkorn says he found out about the scheme just before the news became public, but the SEC claims he and other VW officials learned about it back in 2007. Now, between uh, April 2014 and May 2015, VW issued more than $13 billion in bonds and asset-backed securities, which provided the automaker, quote, the ability to collect hundreds of millions of dollars benefit at more attractive rates for the company, end quote, according to a statement by the SEC. Volkswagen and says that the complaints are without merit. With more on the story, joined in studio by John Paul McDuffie, management professor here at Wharton and director of the program on vehicle and mobility innovation at the Mac Institute for Innovation Management. Also joining us, David Zaring, associate professor of legal studies and business ethics here at the Wharton School. Gentlemen, great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. Good to be here. Thanks. David, these charges of investor fraud, I guess the question for some is, VW has paid a lot of fines already. So why now for these charges and VW's reaction to this was that they were, quote unquote, being piled on. Right. They've already pled guilty and paid a $4 billion fine to EPA. Um, They've uh, spent a lot of money on their consumers to make things right. And they've entered into settlements with lots of state AGs on consumer protection law violations, the sort of deceptive practices that they were engaged in. So they may be looking at that record of um, complying with uh, uh, various legal rules and thinking to themselves, oh, man, and now we have to deal with something from the SEC. And and the SEC is, uh, you know, usually supposed to protect investors. Uh, So these are people who bought Volkswagen securities uh, in the United States that – uh, you know, didn't get told that Volkswagen was up to all this chicanery when they were buying the investments. But but the strange thing is that Volkswagen's a German company, so um, its shares are listed in Germany. So we're not protecting shareholders, but rather bondholders. Right. And they're going to be sophisticated bondholders at that. Uh, so uh, they uh, bought 144A sales, which are unregistered and only available to sort of um, uh, experienced and, uh, uh, you know, very liquid investors. So Volkswagen may be thinking, we said we did all this stuff wrong, and now we have to deal pretty late in this whole process with an SEC investigation, which is designed to protect um, sophisticated financial uh, um, uh, you know, uh, market participants who were fully paid back. Uh, you know, the Volkswagen never uh, failed to meet an interest payment. And so um, I, I think that's where the company's coming from, that uh, this is sort of an out-of-left-field set of interest to protect. So th- then I guess there's the other piece of information going back to 2007, which now becomes apparently a very important date in this yeah. process, in that there are stories out there of the fact that maybe Mr. Winterkorn and other executives knew as early as 2007 that something was going on with these vehicles and that they needed to think about coming up with a cheat device, a, a defeat device, to be able to beat this here in the United States. Yeah, the complaint spends a lot of time talking about how much Winterkorn knew when he was the head of R&D and when he knew it. And this 2007 uh, you know, uh, conversation he had with these engineers uh, certainly looks like he was aware of what was going on 
uh, for a long time. But one of the things you're looking to do as the SEC is to establish that the company knew that it wasn't some low-level employee right. who sort of was uh, off on their own, engaged in a flyer, and it wasn't something that was at the board or management level. So Wintercorn gets you part of the way to management new in 2007. And it's even better in 2014. By that time, he's the CEO. And then there's this report that comes out that Volkswagen might be cheating. And there they've got lots of evidence in the complaint that a bunch of people uh, in senior management at the board level knew about this effort to uncover cheating in Volkswagen vehicles in addition to what the CEO knew. So I I, I was trying to figure out if the – the reason they were after the, only a couple of years of bond issues was because of uh, statute of limitations problems. If right. the SEC waits for long enough, then some stuff that happened long ago can't, can't be brought. You can't do it, right. Um, or if uh, they were um, – and they spend most of their time talking about Winnicorn. Or if they, they thought it was easiest to make the case that um, – for those bonds uh, in 2014 and 2015 that it was clear that senior management, a, a lot of senior managers were aware there was a problem and failed to disclose it to bondholders who might have been thinking about investing in the company's securities. So it does seem like being able to to link 2007, if Wintercorn knew back then, it, it makes it prevalent to be able to understand that in 2014 and 2015 they did know and that obviously there were investors that were frauded in this case. Yep, that's the, that's the story. I mean, the frauds... Uh, you know, I, I sort of find these kinds of fraud cases to be uh, somewhat strange in that the idea is um, companies doing a bad thing uh, and it, it unsurprisingly doesn't tell the world about this bad thing. Yeah. Uh, and um, the bad thing it's doing is hurting consumers and people who are breathing the air and stuff like that. And then the SEC comes in and says, and also because you didn't disclose that bad <laughs> thing to your investors, right. they were hurt too. So um, – uh, you know, some people talk about this as everything is securities fraud. If anything you do is a bad thing, it's also a bad thing that you didn't tell your investors about. And that's uh, that's that's illegal. How John Paul has this all of this and I guess prior to this latest incident, how has this impacted the automaker as a whole, in your opinion? Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting. And I've I've uh, even seen some press coverage saying, well, you know, VW has actually. Uh, been through a lot of changes. Uh, this was a big enough scandal. Wintercorn stepped down. A bunch of other people were fired. Uh, they have a new CEO, uh, Herbert Deese, who came over from BMW. They have stepped way out aggressively in, you might almost say, the lead on uh, committing to electric vehicles. In fact, Part of the uh, what made it a hard week, I'm sure, or a, a whiplash kind of week for people at Volkswagen is they started the week by announcing that they're going to, instead of making 30-something electric vehicle models, they're going to make 50. It's going to be 22 million in the next X years and that they're going to sell at exactly the same price as the electric vehicles and the internal combustion engine versions. Um, you know, China, I think we've talked about this before, is sort of driving uh, the demand for electric vehicles pretty heavily with all the policy levers at their control. Volkswagen is one of the earliest and biggest uh, automakers in China, so they're well positioned to uh, you know, get an advantage over competitors in the China market. And of course, it makes them uh, look perhaps a bit uh, like they're cleaning up their act in several ways, um, leaving the diesel behind them, which is has this diesel gate embarrassment and pioneering this new clean technology. So, you know, I, I guess one point of view is that 
Uh, Volkswagen has had a shock to their strategy, to their culture. They're undoubtedly under a lot of pressure from the German government to, uh, you know, because the auto industry is so important to the German economy, right. uh, that it has led to a number of very positive changes. We're joined here in the studio by John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School, David Zaring, uh, also the Wharton School. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. It is interesting to see Volkswagen, how they have tried to come through this, and, and realistically, how they're trying to come through this here in the United States. And we say that we've talked to you about this in the past is yep. that their market share here in the United States has been relatively small yes. uh, in comparison to the other automakers. Yeah. So it's almost like even though they were hurt here in the United States, they are making an even greater push to try and have an impact with the big three automakers here in the United States. I mean, it really was entirely a U.S. scandal uh, at the beginning because, you know, the big push for Volkswagen as they aimed to be number one automaker in the world in terms of volume was to greatly increase their U.S. market share. It was the one market in the world where they were very underrepresented. They decided to do that with clean diesel. We now know that the only way they could actually do clean diesel was with this defeat device um, with basically cheating on uh, the way the emissions were being reported. And um, the U.S. caught them, basically. And so they've paid $33 billion in fines so far. $23 billion of that is in the U.S. Yeah. Now, when this was first discovered or when it first started to happen, they weren't actually breaking laws yet in terms of the emissions levels in Europe. But the emissions standards were getting tougher and tougher each year. Right. And at some point, they crossed the line from being technically in compliance, although you know mis- with misinformation, to uh, actually violating the law there, too. Um, so that's where they face lawsuits in Germany um, as well. You know, I think a significance of this SEC claim to have evidence of Wintercorn knowing as far back as 2007 is that Wintercorn has denied that, Volkswagen has denied that. They've said it's low-level engineers and they've said it's much more recent. So if there's a in convincing in a court of law piece of evidence for that, that's going to open up a lot of new legal action in Germany right. and in Europe where there have not been so many successful – consumer-driven claims to get some kind of payment. Volkswagen mostly did software updates to um, fix the cars of consumers in Europe, in Europe, Germany and Europe, whereas in the U.S. they replaced them. So um, it could be another whole unhappy chapter financially and otherwise um, that keeps this scandal going in Europe. David? I, it's interesting to see how the Germany and the United States really think about um, consumer protection and investor protection really differently. So there's uh, on the tort side, uh, if I can engage in some lawyeries, like, uh, you know, you buy something and it doesn't work the way you wanted it yeah. to. Um, uh, you know, American investors got more compensation, it sounds like, than German investors did. And um, on the investor side, it's very difficult for German or generally European investors to uh, to come up with a class action. Uh, so this gets all the little guys together right. and it makes... Um, Suing over the fact that your 100 shares went down in value by 30% or whatever it was uh, worth it because it's not just you paying for the lawyer. It's you and everybody else in the class. Um, it's very hard. So class actions are how uh, American shareholder – securities uh, shareholders uh, and bondholders usually make their claims in most cases. Um, and they're very hard to do for a bunch of legal reasons in, uh, 
Germany. So there's been this effort to sort of create um, community of interest uh, among a various uh, set of observers who might be able to take their case to a court. Right. Uh, there's been an effort to create some sort of Dutch uh, wraparound uh, entity, which is one way that um, European shareholders have tried to get compensation. But what it means is that, you know, German shareholders, when this news was discovered, they really did get hurt by this um, information. And it's been very hard to figure out a way for them to get compensated by the company. But it sounds like that that because the United States SEC is bringing this forward, uh, that part of those that investor group uh, in the time frame 2014 or to early 2015 uh, were people that were here in the United States and, and were somehow impacted by this in some way, fashion or so, correct? That's right. I mean, uh, you know, there's always this question. Volkswagen was doing business in the United States. Shouldn't they pay the price for it? And they did pay the price in yeah. various ways. But they also sold all these securities to American investors. And that's that's why the SEC is in. So um, it's those investors, the one who purchased in America, not the shares, but the bonds uh, in 144A sales or other mechanisms that are getting – compensated or protected by the SEC in this case. But in 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 the instance we're talking about here, John Paul, and, and we've talked with Eric Ortz about this, uh, yep. that there was a perception that a lot of these vehicles were, quote unquote, clean diesel, that this was, yep. you know, kind of a technology that was going to take us, you know, far, way far down the road in terms of of improving the emissions from vehicles. And we obviously now know that that was that was not even close to that. Uh, so. It, it does kind of make you believe that this is just one fraud led on to another fraud, and, and you're waiting for that, uh, to a degree, that next shoe to drop at this point. Yeah, you know, as I said before, the U.S. was a puzzle for them how to increase their market share. Um, in Europe, diesel has had 50%, 60% of the market in Germany, but also in France. Diesel fuel is taxed more favorably, so it's cheaper which is one reason why the sale of diesel vehicles has had a consistent advantage. Diesel technology was invented in Europe. Most of the patents are held, you know, the important patents are held by companies like Bosch. So it, it's deeply established in Europe. The U.S., you know, the, the U.S. auto companies tried releasing diesel products. They were poorly engineered. They smelled bad. They didn't work well. It sort of drove diesel out of the market. And Volkswagen, you know, has decided – Here's our chance. We're going to make a big push on diesel, and the thing that's going to make it attractive in the U.S. is the is the clean. So they had right. ads with engineers as dressed up as white angels because they're ushering in you know this glorious green green future. Sure. And um, so you know it it really is probably true that if Volkswagen had not decided to put on a big push for market share in the U.S. and had not settled on diesel as the way to do it. This would probably not have come to light. It would have been a kind of a smaller, more slippery slope scandal, which eventually would have violated some things in Europe, yeah. uh, but would probably not have come to light in exactly this way. So, um, But in 2007, could they have also made it, gotten – you know, were we far enough along with the technology with, with electric that VW could have made that decision instead of, of going down the diesel route as well? Yeah, I mean, there's another um, little technical angle on what was happening at that time. Volkswagen and Mercedes and BMW were together in an alliance to work on making diesel better in terms of sure. emissions. Um, the technology they came up with 
uh, is something that BMW and Mercedes have used. It involves actually uh, another additive into the fuel line uh, with uh, something that has – it's an ammonia derivative. You have to fill a little reservoir in your car every few months, right. which then gets added. Kind of like your washer, your windshield washer. Yeah, no, like exactly. Yeah. So BMW and Mercedes were willing to do it, figured that you know they're going to get their consumers to bring it into the dealer to get that done. It's nothing you can do yourself. Right. Volkswagen decided it was too whatever. They, they didn't think it would work for their customers. They didn't think it would work for their, their positioning. So they pull out of the consortium. They, just, they say, we can do clean t- diesel on our own, right. and then they found they can't. How fast they found out they couldn't, presumably it was at a point that they felt so committed to this big push in the U.S. that they then started looking for a technical fix, which we now know was cheating with software. David? So I'm a lawyer, not a marketing expert, so I <laughs> should approach this with caution. But it's amazing to me how uh, you know the misconduct that was uncovered seems so different than what Volkswagen – was all about in America, not uh, a large company that made right. every kind of car you'd want, but a company that sort of made cute cars ranging back from Volkswagen Bugs to the Jettas and Cabriolets and uh, other stuff that they were selling in the 90s and aughts. And, you know, they were sort of cute, urban, small, yep. uh, you know, um, decent gas mileage. It, it just seemed like the the clientele they had in America, and it wasn't a very big clientele, uh, are the kind of people who would be most interested in environmentally protective cars. And, of course, they got the opposite of that. So um, you could imagine how this would have just destroyed Volkswagen's reputation in the American market. And I, I don't know, John Paul, but my sense is it's – it hasn't gone to zero, right? Uh, that they're uh, still doing stuff here and um, maybe moving past this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, my sense is there are some different classes of people who bought those vehicles. Yeah. Um, Eric Ortz, who's one of our one of your colleagues, one yeah. of my colleagues, um, was an owner of yes, one of he these. Was. <laughs> and as an environmentalist, he feels like many like him uh, betrayed by this, yep. and I'm sure he had his vehicle replaced. There are some who loved the combination of pretty good gas mileage, which affects their payment for fuel, and a lot of power, like tremendous acceleration and just all the stuff that made it really fun to drive. And you can see plenty of comments from those folks that say, I don't know, I like my Volkswagen. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, if the software is going to eat into my fuel mileage a little bit, well, okay, so I don't care. I'm going to keep it. So it's absolutely true. The sales have not dropped to zero. Right. I do think that Volkswagen – quick pivot to a big push on electric. You asked me before, could they have done this in 2007? Yeah. I think the technology was probably well with, within hand for them, for many automakers that have been looking at this technology for years. But they didn't think there was a market for it. Right. Um, you know, the Prius had had some success, but that was a hybrid drivetrain. Right. You know, the Nissan Leaf was probably the first big, besides Tesla's at the high end, mass market vehicle. That came out right. around 2010. So 2007 would have been super early for them to try to do that. I'm not surprised that they weren't quite ready to make that bold a move as their basis because they wouldn't have gotten the massive sales that they got with clean diesel. We're joined here in studio by John Paul McDuffie and David Zaring of the Wharton School. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I, I guess then when you're looking at the potential uh, charges that uh, the allegations that are being brought forward, David, uh, where does Mr. Wintercorn fall into this part? Uh, of uh, of the allegations. I mean, obviously, if if he did know in 2007 
and then he became the CEO of the company, what kind of liability could he potentially be looking at? Yeah, the the question is, so one of the things that his involvement does is make this case that, you know, Volkswagen owes these bondholders, owed these bondholders disclosures, and it was the top guy and other people at the firm who all knew uh, about what was going on and didn't tell them. And so they got to buy, they got to sell bonds in America, you know, with, uh, at a, at a better rate with less risk. I mean, um, they, Volkswagen debt was downgraded sure. once this, uh, this, uh, uh, scandal came out. Um, and that's the story. So on the one hand, on the civil security side, what Winnercorn I think does, uh, what Winnercorn's involvement I think does is help make that case that this was not, um, uh, you know, Low-level employees doing something weird, sure. um, but rather a sustained uh, um, uh, program by management with the direction of the board to do this thing and not tell anyone about it. And that gives you the intent you need to make one of these cases as well as make the uh, fraud uh, uh, all the more clear that it was a sort of corporate-level fraud rather than some um, uh, misstatements by um, um, uh, employees. Uh, secondly – if it's true that uh, he knew about this for a very long time and he's denied this, uh, then uh, other criminal penalties that he may face in Germany – and I don't know what the statute of limitations right. society, uh, situation is like there. At some point, you have to bring a criminal case or you, unless it's murder or you can't bring it. Uh, right. um, then that could create new sort of risks for him. I don't think he'll end up um, uh, cutting a check to the plaintiffs uh, or the SEC in this case. I think that's unlikely yeah. uh, unless they settle on it uh, some way. He should be covered by insurance. Um, uh, maybe not if uh, what he was engaged in was a criminal act, but um, uh, DNO insurance uh, may cover that kind of thing. So his civil liability, I'm not sure about, but I, I guess I have some questions about um, if this is true, uh, are there criminal penalties he may have to pay that he hasn't had to pay so far? The other part to this is just kind of the uniqueness, John Paul, of as as well known in Germany as VW is, and it is a legacy brand. I don't think there's oh, yeah. there's much doubt about that. It is the fact that I think some people believed for a long time, and obviously this is not the case now because we we have seen all the various penalties that Germany was going to basically give a little bit of a whitewash to VW. That has not been the case. They have basically come forward and, and said, "Listen, you have done X, Y, and Z." You are liable for for whatever, going back to the admission scandal. And now potentially, I would think, as you both have kind of laid out, that if this is proved and if there is some sort of, of fraud against these investors in 2014, that we could see even more penalties against VW in, in Germany moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, the German government, you know, leadership is changing and there may be some other political changes. But in uh, Angela Merkel's uh, Germany, uh, I think there was uh, both a clear message of uh, our auto industry is too important to let it suffer from this. Yeah. And Volkswagen, we're not going to cover this up. Uh, we're going to push you to, you know, rehabilitate your yeah. reputation. And we'll help you where we can. And but, Germany yeah. already has had some of the most green, environmentally oriented public policies. And so I'm sure it's no coincidence that Volkswagen is steps out really far and fast on this uh, electric vehicles. Actually, they're also talking about a lot of other advanced technologies. They're in a consortium with the other German automakers to do some ride-sharing services that might be brand-specific. So, you know, you call 
whatever it's called, and you get a brand new Volkswagen Mercedes BMW always as the rideshare car you get. So try to keep some brand strength in there. These are all things Volkswagen might have done eventually, but I think it's definitely accelerated because of the scandal, and I'm sure the German government is a piece of pushing them in that direction. And and here in the United States, You've seen quite a few more ads for for Volkswagen vehicles in the last few months. I believe, if memory serves me, they did one in the Super Bowl. They're yeah. doing all kinds of different sponsorships. So not only are they in the process of trying to rehabilitate their image in a market where they didn't have a lot of share to begin with, yeah. they it's almost like they are trying to build a brand at this point. Well, it's an interesting, uh, you know, t- try to take uh, lemons and make lemonade, right? So try to make something um, better out of it. I'm sure, again, probably the German government encouraged them to settle quickly in the U.S., not yeah. drag it out fighting for a long time, allow the settlements to be relatively generous. Some of the settlements go to states. Yeah. Some of it goes to investing. There's a fund that can be used for investing in electric vehicle infrastructure, for electric vehicle education. So there's a bunch of things that – the things that went to governments are actually being used to also push forward the electric vehicle future. Great seeing you both. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.